Hey listeners, it's Anna. So the holiday season is already in full swing, but before diving deep into Advent, before Christmas, today we celebrate Giving Tuesday, a global movement celebrating the power of generosity. Today, you can also participate in that global movement. If you've enjoyed the work here we do at the LTN podcast and on the Ineacast, head over to lovethyneighborhood.org donate and join our Giving Tuesday campaign. Again, that's lovethyneighborhood.org backslash donate. Be a part of the work God is doing here in our corner of the urban universe. Love thy neighborhood. Okay, cool. Oh, definitely. <laughs> awesome. Discipleship and missions. Mission. For, For modern, modern times. times. this boundless, endless adventure. I have discovered that in my relationship with the Lord. If you love God, there is no such thing as a boring day. There are loads of fun and loads of adventures to have in Him. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the Ineacast. Welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram. And today, we are continuing our series on how our personality impacts our relationship with God and our approach to faith. Yes. Every episode, we have said the Richard Rohr quote, the way you relate is the way you relate. You really have one relational style that you are in love with. It just feels comfortable. It's your favorite pajamas. Mm-hmm. And you use it um, with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers, and with God. Yep. So today we're going to explore how this shows up for type seven, the enthusiast. And just a note, uh, today's content is building on our 101 content from season one of the show. So make sure that you have a basic understanding of the Enneagram before diving in further or you're going to feel pretty lost. Mm -hmm. Okay, so where do we start? Okay, we're going to start with taking a look at three things. First, we will look at how type seven personality influences their relationship with God. Second, how their lens influences their view of God. And third, how God heals people with this Enneagram type. Okay, so first, let's explore how our personality influences our relationship Mm -hmm. with God. Okay, so Lindsay, give me an idea of what this looks like for a type seven when they're healthy. When I think of a healthy type seven, like at church, you know, in their relationship with God, I see them full of celebration. You know, mm-hmm. they they want to really get hype for God. You know, they want to sing the praise songs. They've got their hands in the air. They're excited. Like their energy is forward moving. They're excited about new programs. They're excited about new ways to know God, to understand God, to dive into God's word. They're just really, they bring joy and celebration into their relationship with God. Mm-hmm. They really want to emphasize all those, all the goodness and all the riches and the depth of who God is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of uh, them really embodying like, you know, faith like a child. Mm-hmm. They have that childlike wonder about them. Yeah. So like, when they sense God has done something amazing, like they access awe so easily mm-hmm. compared to the rest mm-hmm. of us. The rest of us are like, prove it to me. And the Cynical, seven's like, yeah. are you kidding? This is mind blowing. Like, and so they naturally, they just, they believe God. Mm-hmm. They, they trust him, they believe him, and they have awe over the whole thing. And the other thing too is I think, when I think of like a really healthy seven in the relationship with God, I think of somebody who can go through really hard things mm-hmm. and they can still go, but God is good. Mm-hmm. Or that they can suffer and they can really go, I'm just so grateful for the love of the Lord. Yeah. Like there's this sweet 
celebratory part of them, mm-hmm. even amidst really dark, hard things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that is the good news. We also need to take a look at the way that their personality negatively influences their faith. And you love giving people bad news. So, <laughs> uh, so why don't you share that with us? Well, we always quote our famous Lisa Vischer quote where she says, psychology informs theology. So all we're saying there is our personality leads us to create a particular theological emphasis. So when we lean too heavily on one piece of our theology, it creates a slanted rule of life for all types. So if we have too much joy, although that seems almost impossible, that's going to make things slanted. If we have too much weeping and gnashing of teeth, that is also going Mm -hmm. to be Mm -hmm. slanted. Mm -hmm. And so we want to relate to God in a balanced way. Yeah. Yeah. And so for the seven, their experience of God tends to orbit around joy. Uh, So what does this overemphasis on joy look like? This is where you get the seven that like there's kind of a naivety to them. Mm -hmm. They're like an excited puppy. Like they're excited (laughs) about like everything. But then like if hardship comes, you know, these are the folks that like you see – they switch churches constantly because mm-hmm, they're looking mm-hmm. for the next exciting thing. Yeah. Um, these are the folks that, like, when people in the church are bringing really hard things, they're like, why are they being such Debbie Downers? Mm-hmm. Or that when somebody goes through something difficult and it's a time to lament, an unhealthy seven doesn't know how to lament with God. There's no yeah. category for that uh, in their relational style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about how hard if you're in an unhealthy space as a seven, that it's really hard to look at conviction and confession. Like when the Holy Spirit is convicting you of maybe this was too much or you've gone too far or just something that needs to be changed. Yeah. And then knowing you're going to have to confess that and repent, that that can be really scary and that they can want to avoid that. And mm-hmm. so they're going to kind of push those things into the peripheral um, because that's really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's not much joy in that present moment. You mm-hmm. know, the joy is going to come way later. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you said, just that distractedness of if we fill our life full of so many good things, do we even make time for our relationship with God? You know, so our relationship with God is very disjointed. You know, like yeah. we're, we're having fun and we're like, praise God, like that's great. But we're not actually settling down, quieting our minds yeah. and really engaging in a relationship with God. Yeah. Okay, that's how this type relates to God. But one of the main reasons we relate to God incorrectly is because we see him incorrectly. Yeah. And I guess that's a little bit chicken or the egg. It's like, did you see it incorrectly? And then that's why you're related or Mm -hmm. vice versa. But Mm -hmm. all that to say, um, how does the lens of this personality type distort the way they see God? Yeah. So back in the introductory episode for this series, Lisa Vischer talked about that um, the false self of the seven can lead them to believe that God is withholding, Mm -hmm. that his disposition is not one of generosity, Mm -hmm. not one of I love to give great gifts to my children, Mm -hmm. not one of I know your desires and want to respond to them, but instead that God is sort of curmudgeon-y and withholding and going, um, you know, I'm not going to give it to you because, you know. Just because you want it. Just because you want it. (laughs) And so they just have this this notion in which – God can just be very stingy. Mm-hmm. When the lens is broken mm-hmm. and they're seeing God incorrectly, mm-hmm. what what is the true image? If they can take that lens away, that broken yeah. part of them, what does the true image of God look like? Yeah, I think that, I mean, there's so much about God, which is the very thing that God is boundless. You know, yeah. that seven's love, like that idea of boundlessness, of endless adventure. Like that is God. Like he you know, I think of Narnia of mm-hmm. when they at the last battle, you know, and then they make it into like the new Narnia, basically. And yeah. they just kept saying uh, further up and further. Yes. In. Yes. That yeah. exact quote. And yeah. that that's for the sevens, you know, and for all of us. But that that's the adventure we're called to is 
you never get to the end of your relationship with God. It's always Mm -hmm. further up and further in. Mm -hmm. And like no matter what trips and no matter, you know, the potholes, it's there's more. Mm -hmm. There is always more Jesus, like more God, more Holy Spirit, like that life is full of adventures, but Mm -hmm. it might not be exactly the way you expected it to be. Yeah. You know, but you have to open yourself up to the adventures that he's writing Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's so many wonderful, like seven qualities to who God is of just, you know, he, he sees them and he knows them and he is limitless in his love and his joy over his children and that, like you said, he wants to give good gifts. He's not saying, oh, you want fun? No, that means, you know, you have to kneel on the stone floor and just pray silently forever. Right, you know? right. So. I would just say this, like this last thing, which is like um, the true image of God is that he has a joy of substance and not a joy of avoidance. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he's not joyful because he's avoiding all the things. Yeah. Like he's full of joy because of the substance of who he is and the mm-hmm. substance of the experience of mm-hmm. existence, you know. Um, and he's insured of the final victory. Yeah. There's no Absolutely. question. Right. Of the victory and the feast that is coming. Yeah. Okay, so for type seven, we've looked at how personality influences their relationship with God and how their lens influences their view of God. So we're now left with this question, how does God heal people that have this Enneagram type? So you want me to give you a list of like good ideas, like some good advice. Yes, please. Just lots of lots of good <laughs> advice. Yeah. Bring it. Yes, okay. So first, ten steps to being a better uh-huh. seven. Oh, good. Um, no. So God heals us through his good news, through the gospel. And so, Jesse, what is the good news for the seven? Yeah, you know, the good news for the seven is this. You know, they are in the head triad. So their predominant underlying emotion is fear, which often comes out mm-hmm. in the form of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and God heals that wound with his presence. Mm-hmm. He comes to them. He says, I am with you. Don't be afraid. I am with you. And it is in his presence in the same way that a parent calms an anxious child, mm-hmm. not with magical words, yeah. but just by being present and attuned to them, mm. God comes to us and does the same thing. He responds to their shame with his delight, and he responds to their guilt with his forgiveness. Mm. We talk a lot about Jesus is the one who heals our wounds. Yeah. Like he fills the hole that no amount of Enneagram training can fill. Mm-hmm. And so for the type seven, he gives them the good news. I will take care of you. Yeah. Like you said, that presence, like I'm right here. Like if things get crazy... I'm going to be right here. Like, you don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. You don't have to avoid or spin things. You can rest in my presence because I'm never going to leave you. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to be here to take care of you. Yeah. And I think, too, like, what a burden that lifts off the seven Mm -hmm. because there is the sense in which they have to generate Yes. They have to be the ones to generate Bring the, party. the goodness, the excitement, the joy, because if they don't, no one else is going to. Mm-hmm. And instead, Jesus is like, no, 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 I'm going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, to hold that burden. Mm. Um, you know, good news leads to transformation. So after receiving this good news, you're invited to respond. And so as a disciple, what does it look like to move from gluttony to sobriety? Um, How can you be level-headed and live in the reality of the moment without seeking distractions? Mm -hmm. Um, And the seven is invited to respond to Jesus in this way. Yeah. Jesus has come. He said he's going to take care of you. Mm -hmm. You can move past this sense where you just have to gorge yourself on life Mm -hmm. uh, in these destructive ways and instead move to a space where you can be level-headed and not have to distract yourself Mm -hmm. with the next shiny thing Mm -hmm. um, and be present to the life you're living. Yeah, I just picture, I keep picturing for different numbers, them sitting at a fire with Jesus. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. whenever uh, Peter jumps out of the boat Mm -hmm. and he like runs in his clothes, like, or takes off his clothes. and Uh Anyway, and then they're like sitting there eating fish. Mm -hmm. I don't know why lately that is an image God has put in my mind again and again Mm -hmm. of like sitting there with Jesus, Mm -hmm. eating some fish. Like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a chill moment of like, you're here. Okay, but we're not sure where we stand. And like, what, you know, anyway. Yeah. But, um. So I picture the seven being able to just sit there and chill 
Mm-hmm. And that that is fun. Mm-hmm. That that moment would be full of just so much joy and so much fun, even though all you would be doing is just sitting in his presence. Yeah. And I think that is that. What did you say earlier? The joy of a substance. joy of substance. Yeah. Yes. I love that. OK. So our final tip for the sevens is comes from A.J. Sherrill and his book, The Enneagram for Spiritual Formation. And he talks about different spiritual disciplines for each type. Yeah. So the downstream discipline or like the easier, you know, the lazy with, river, go you're with going the with the flow, yeah, um, is feasting and celebrating. And uh, my sub tip for that tip is bring the fours with you because we yeah. recently recorded the four episode and that was their upstream discipline was feasting mm-hmm. and celebrating. So isn't it crazy mm-hmm. how the body of Christ works together? Mm-hmm. To bring balance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the upstream discipline. So this is you're going against the natural flow. This is you putting on muscle mm-hmm. um, is going to be service. So that is sacrificially putting yourself in situations mm-hmm. where other people in need um, are being taken care of by you. Mm-hmm. So it's not always going to be fun. Mm-hmm. It's not always going to be thrilling and exciting and amazing. Mm-hmm. Um but it's going to be substantial and it's going to be good. So service. And then the second is silence and solitude. Mm-hmm. And silence and solitude is really important for the seven because you guys do have sort of an inner like frenetic energy mm-hmm. where you can get easily disorganized and disoriented on your insides. And you just kind of need a minute um, to gather yourself. So the ability to sit in silence and solitude, uh, to read the word, to pray, to journal, to literally sit in quiet and do nothing, mm-hmm. um, all of those things um, will be a gift. And and the and here's one of the big reasons why that one's important. Silence and solitude is the container that all the other spiritual disciplines flow from. Mm. Without silence and solitude, we cannot have discernment. We can't even know what to give ourselves to. Mm-hmm. Um, so silence and solitude is just a is a crucial thing. So that are all of is all of our thoughts on <laughs> uh, on type seven and the relationship with God. Um, but we uh, are not qualified nope. to speak for sevens, all sevens, and so we have a special guest with us today. Our guest today is Amy Wicks. Amy is a wife, mom, and a certified Enneagram coach. She's the host of the Simply Wholehearted podcast, where she helps people with their self-doubt, anxiety, and Christian faith. She's the author of Should Christians Use the Enneagram? What it is, what it's not, and how it can change your life. She has a passion for the local church, as well as coaching others to learn to live wholehearted lives. And she is a seven on the Enneagram. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thanks, guys. I am really thrilled to be here. Well, we are excited to talk with you. Yes. So, Amy, you were with us for the teaching. Did anything stick out to you? Anything resonate that you want to talk about? Gosh, what didn't? (laughs) That's going to be hard to pick. I guess one of the one of the elements is that I feel always a little intimidated to speak for sevens because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. having mistyped. And maybe it was because of my chapter of life, my stage of life. I had a hard time seeing myself as mm-hmm. a seven. It, I thought, oh, that would be cool to be a seven because it sounds like they have so much fun. <laughs> yes. But I didn't necessarily feel that way. W- what did you think you? What did you think you were? I had toyed around with the two and the three. Uh huh. And uh-huh. again, I think motherhood played into that. Some of my environment. And mm-hmm. it, it really wasn't, it was a little bit before, um, you know, midlife crisis, I guess, you know, but I was in my <laughs> late thirties and I was exploring my story a little bit more where it suddenly dawned on me that what was going on is I was trying so hard not to like, to not be me because mm. I have a similar personality as my dad and he is not healthy and he's not in my yeah. life right now. And that will, that story will probably come up throughout our conversation because it's been a big deal in the last year and a half of my life. But, but ultimately I had a revelation of how I was, I was exhausting myself to not be like that unhealthy version of how I naturally mm-hmm. was. And so it, I don't know if that really is the answer you're looking for, but ultimately there, there, it was 
that desire or even natural bent for childlike faith, for awe, for wonder, for celebration and joy and enthusiasm. But I was sort of embarrassed by it mm-hmm. because that wasn't celebrated or honored, whether it be because I was a female or some of the environments of ministry that I was in. But I've, I felt I had, I had been for a long time sort of holding back from my true self. But the Mm. gift that one of the many gifts that I've gotten in all of that is really being able to go, oh, my desire is to be taken care of. And that bleeds into so many different elements of my life. But owning that and all the other different aspects of me has brought more joy, has given wholehearted celebration to be me and also to own the childlike faith and wonder and and not feel badly that I sometimes reframe or desire to get to the positive element. <laughs> and mm-hmm, even sometimes yeah. all the negative ways, maybe I didn't show up well for my friends and especially my Enneagram 4 friends where I was trying to take the grave clothes off too quickly or make them <laughs> <laughs> have fun in a moment where I needed to be intentional and lament with them um, and just go, okay, well, it's, it's all right that I'm not naturally bent that way. I can, in growing, I can learn how to sit and lament. And then I can also get to be the friend who helps take the grave clothes off and celebrate Mm. and see this other side of God. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, stay with us because when we come back, we will continue our conversation with Amy Wicks. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Kirsten, the recruitment assistant at Love Thy Neighborhood. We connect young adults directly with local nonprofits, where they provide volunteer hours free of charge to ministries while also gaining real-world work experience. One area of service is our book editing and publishing track. Here, interns learn the book publishing process from start to finish as they work alongside Christian authors. One of these authors is Dr. Timothy Paul Jones. Dr. Jones said sometimes the book publishing process can feel pretty mundane, but that even in the small tasks, interns can learn valuable lessons. Our world, it values that which is quick and flashy, and they realize that things that really matter require just a lot of long, mundane labor. As mundane as that is, it's a really important thing uh, to recognize that it's in the ordinary rhythms of just keeping at it, doing the work that needs to be done, the things that are beautiful are produced in the end. If you want a hands-on experience of missions in our modern times, come serve with Love Thy Neighborhood. We offer internships for young adults ages 18 to 30 through the areas of service, community, and discipleship. You'll grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Welcome back to the Uniquecast, Jesse Eubanks. Lindsay Lewis. And we have been talking with Amy Wicks. Um, Amy, let me let me ask you this question. What do you find the most difficult as you relate to God? And I guess the inverse of that as well, like what comes the most easily? Ooh. Okay. Well, I'll go, I'll do the hard thing first, right? Because I like to get that over with. Um. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm growing up in the church, and as I alluded to, um, I grew up in a pastor's home, and then I was in ministry for a long time, and I still consider what I do as ministry. But ultimately, I had heard about the father wound a lot and brushed it off as like, oh, it's a good thing I don't have a father wound, because mm-hmm. at the time, I didn't understand that there was the level of in- unhealth um, that was going on behind the scenes or in my family, or you just don't know what you don't know because Mm -hmm, you don't have perspective. mm -hmm. Um, But especially the last year and a half, and it really started before I began to acknowledge that I did have a disconnect when it came to this concept of heavenly father. And mostly as it related to being taken care of being Mm -hmm. satisfied, 
having the Lord meet my needs. And you guys said it so beautifully, not making things happen because there was an element of my childhood experience, adolescent experience for sure, where it was up to me to make things happen. Mm. And I can think of, and I kind of get an emotional, I think of all the ways that I look back and I'm like, man, it was really exhausting Mm -hmm. to feel like you had to make things happen. And you had to kind of fight, not defend yourself, but to take care of yourself. And I think to that effect, there's that part of the seven that holds back just a little on the outside and the appearances is they're very enthusiastic and generous. I'm, I'm more of a social seven where it is about others. And that's why I love what I do and what I get to participate in is sharing other people's works and stories and their expertise. But there's always a little bit of that holding back and that fear because if I don't keep some for myself, who's going to take care of me? Who's going to do that for me? Yeah. And and so um, in particular, I there's been a lot of me, I feel like I just have this analogy of like swimming through dark water, <laughs> of exploring, mm-hmm. oh, there's so many other facets of God that I have barely even begun to touch for myself. I've heard about him. I've maybe even preached about him, but have I truly experienced it for myself? Um, so God is Father, and God is taking care of me. And a couple of things that have really, well, actually one author in particular, Philip Keller, he wrote um, The Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And then he wrote a number of books, and I don't remember how many, but he also has one called What is the Father Like? And mm. that's just that's been a huge gift to explore in this season and go, oh, wow, okay, that's a good father. Yeah. That is yeah. that is, that is what a perfect father who loves to take good care of his kids, that's what it looks like. And they mm-hmm. won't abandon, they won't leave you, they won't forsake you. Um so anyway, that mm. that is some of what I've learned. But on the flip side, I well, can I let me yeah. I want to respond to that. Hold Please, on. Before, sure. before we move on to the other part. Um so so my, um, I had a very troubled family life as a child mm. and my, my folks were divorced and, uh, for various reasons, my dad began to disappear for long stretches of time mm. when I was in middle school. So all, all said and, you know, done about a fourth of my life at this point, wow. uh, he's been absent from. Yeah. And, um, and it does, it makes it a very complicated thing. You know, they say that our, our first ideas about God are formed by the way that we perceive our parents. Yeah. You know, this is how we understand love and attachment and commitment and sacrifice. And, um, and so it does, it makes it very complicated when we think about, well, how am I supposed to understand God as a good father when I don't really understand what a father is? Yeah. Um, or I understand a father to be somebody that whose presence is harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, so it is, it's such a, it's such a, journey. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for, for me, the, the interesting thing is like in the last uh, couple of years, like as my kids have gotten older and I've had the experience of fathering them, mm-hmm. it's it's like that wound is healed sizably. Um, and uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I say that except to say like when you're when you're saying all those things, I just really resonate. I, I yeah. get that. Yeah. And I think sadly, a lot of people do, and yeah. that's the bummer. Yeah, the prayer, I suppose, and all of it. And I, uh, in some ways, this is fresher and yet an old wound. <laughs> and um, again, because of, I guess, new, new revelations or new experiences. But when, when we do get that gift of becoming a parent then it does invite us to look at who we could model and how it's possible when you love your kids in a healthy way and you're, you know, somewhat more, um, I don't know, maybe solid in your faith or all the different things that we are going after because we're doing our best to be intentional. Um, 
it does help us connect to, oh, if I love my kids that much, and if I'm willing to do that for them, then how much more is my Heavenly Father? Oh, yes. okay, maybe I can yes. get that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay, so if if those are the challenges of a relationship with God, like what comes easily? I think that idea of being joyful, there's I uh, Romans 12, 12. It became my life first at an early age. I, I don't know why, except for it's be joyful because you have hope. Be patient when trouble comes and pray at all times. Now, mm. <laughs> I really needed help with the middle part of that verse. <laughs> <laughs> but that joy, I it was easy, right? Whereas, again, and I love my Enneagram 4 friends because they did, they have taught me so much, especially in the last few years. But uh, that joy, it, it, just, it just comes forth. It is a bubbling brook. Ultimately, it has to come from the Lord. It has to come from the Spirit indwelling in me. And the fruit of the Spirit is one of it is joy. But it does come easy. And I've, I sometimes feel guilty about it (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I can laugh at it. Sometimes inappropriately, I laugh in moments that shouldn't, I shouldn't (laughs) laugh. Mm -hmm. I laugh Mm -hmm. or bring joy to reframe or to avoid all the different things, but it does. And I, I, I ultimately have that sense of God is fun and Mm. fun is just such a gift. And there is that adventure. I think in the talking, I wrote this boundless, endless adventure. I have discovered that in my relationship with the Lord from, I, I don't know, I think it was my late teens where I'm like, oh yeah, if you love God, there is no such thing as a boring day. If you're really mm-hmm. pursuing him, there are loads of fun and loads of adventures to have in him. So that comes wow. easy for me. <laughs> I'm just feeling a little jealous. <laughs> Need to take a moment. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Okay, Amy, has there ever been a moment where you begin to think that your personality was influencing was influencing your relationship with God or your theology? And what was happening in that moment? I have wondered something that I think is worth a discussion. Ultimately, because of how information is available to us so readily these days, right? It used to take mm. sometimes months for us to find out about tragedy or hard things and also good things. But now we're constantly bombarded by bad news, by hardship, by loss. And even though sometimes it feels like we don't do life in community as much as we're invited into, I think as much as the Lord would love us to be, it, it feels oftentimes that we just, there's tragedy and hard things all around us. Okay, again, mm-hmm. I realize that it stands out to me because I'm a seven. But my point to saying all of this, it's, it's really easy to look at the loss and the hardship and to go, I couldn't go through that. Like if I went through that horrible thing, if I lost that person or lost that thing or faced that hardship or uh, whatever, the, the hard tragedy that you see in your neighbor walk out or your friend walk out. And you go, I couldn't do that. And that used to overwhelm me. Even mm-hmm. as I saw maybe some other people experience life who I felt like it felt unfair. How, why did they have to go through that hard thing? Or how could they go through that hard thing? And how could they still love Jesus if they went through that really bad hard thing? that painful thing. How can they even love God in their pain? So there's a couple of things with this. Obviously, I've been through some really hard things, and I still love God. So there's hope for that. But it's also this human experience where while we are invited to find ourselves in their store and other people's stories, just as I'm telling my, you know, our, as we're sharing like our father wound experience, other people might find their story, but ultimately maybe those who haven't experienced that hard thing, hear that and go, I can't imagine like, that's horrible. Mm. How could they love God? How could they know God? And I can't imagine life without a great relationship with my dad. And and what I've come to find, and maybe it's sitting with a lot of people's stories as a, as a coach, a lot of people's hard stories, is that 
we don't have to know or have the faith or be able to face what we're not facing. Mm -hmm. Like we will have the grace to face what we need to face when we need it. And in the elementary sense, it's give us this day our daily bread, but it's also give us the faith for what it is that we are going to face. And, Mm -hmm. And to just know that if it can be any comfort even, I've just seen people face really hard things and love the Lord, and they had exactly what they needed for that moment, for that hardship, and for that pain, as have I, and I had exactly what I needed. And while I can't imagine, and I have a great imagination as a seven, I, I, when I imagine me going through someone else's story, I don't also have the faith to go with it because I don't have to. Yeah. But I can have yeah. the faith and the support I need from the Lord to face the hard things. Yeah, that's so good. Lindsay, it actually makes me think of what you say when you talk about um, that we get preoccupied with this question of what if, what if, mm-hmm. what if. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay, Lindsay says we have to move from what if to even if. Yes. You know, even if these so things good. happen, you know, the Lord, the Lord will be good to us mm-hmm. and we're going to make it. It's going to be okay. So we talked also about how each type has kind of their core wound and a message that they long to hear. When you imagine Jesus standing in front of you and just looking into your eyes and saying, I will take care of you, Mm. what effect does that have on your soul? It's everything. It's rest. It's comfort. And there are times where you alluded to the contemplative practice, which is a big deal in my world, my personal Mm -hmm. life, for sure. But it's that taking me by the hand and leading me instead of me trying to bootstrap it or Mm -hmm. find my own or carve my own path, right? So really ultimately it's it's just it's the tenderest and and when I ask the Lord to show me, it's super sweet because whether it's just in my imagination and mind's eye or tangible gift um, from him. I think he loves to show us how he is speaking to that desire that he had put in our heart to begin with. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you um, one last question. How does the, how does practicing the virtue of sobriety shape your relationship with God and other people? What, what impact does that have? One of the chapters that has really stood out to me that I've read multiple times in that book I refer to, Philip Keller's uh, What is the Father Like? It's um, he, he has a chapter called Moderation. I am moderation, as in God is moderation. And I, I, I underlined and highlighted so many different things because I'm like, yes, this is it. But it's, it's something that I referred to of and actually, now I'm getting confused because maybe Lindsay and I talked about this, but ultimately, <laughs> it's the it's the contentment with life and being sustained like a child. Um, there's actually multiple verses, um, a couple, uh, one for sure in Isaiah, and then throughout the Psalms. But if if I can operate in that childlike faith and go, okay, I can be like the child who is resting on the Heavenly Father's chest and find the contentment and stillness and peace in that, then from that place, I can give and live generously. I can give without without needing to withhold or holding back. And I can give without fear that I won't be taken care of, that somehow I'll miss out. Um, I, one of the verses, if I could, one of the things, um, or not verses, one of the things that I outlined is that if you really see the fulfillment in and trust the Lord fully and find your fulfillment in him and the satisfying of all your desires, all the things that you want, when you live calmly and simply in the Lord, you will discover that that self-control enables others around you to sense peace and calm. And they'll ask, hey, what is that all about? Mm-hmm. And it's it's Christ in me spilling out, and I can then point to him and go, here, like, here's the answer. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, we, of course, cannot resist having some fun with an Enneagram 7. Yeah. So <laughs> stay with us because when we come back, we will be playing Pick Your Poison with Amy Wicks. We'll be right back. Here at LTN, we believe that in order to be loved, you must be known. And part of being known means understanding who you are, which is why we created Mapping Your Enneagram Story. Mapping Your Enneagram Story is a workbook to help you map your life story and understand who you are. Using the lens of the Enneagram, you'll explore how the story you've lived has made you into who you are and why Jesus is the key to living a better story. To get your own copy of Mapping Your Enneagram Story, just go to lovethatneighborhood.org and click the store link at the top of the menu. There, you'll find Mapping Your Enneagram Story, plus all our other Enneagram content. And all proceeds go directly to support Love Thy Neighborhood. So go to lovethyneighborhood.org and click store. Mapping Your Enneagram Story. Find the clarity you need to have meaningful, long-lasting relationships. Welcome back to the Indian Cast, Jesse Eubanks. Lindsay Lewis. And now it's time for Pick Your Poison. Okay, our game today is called Pick Your Poison. Here's how it works. Uh, Amy, each round I'm going to give you two options. Both options are going to be difficult or just plain horrible. You're going to have to decide which option you would go for in real life, sort of like would you rather. But before you give us your answer... Lindsay and I are each going to guess which option we think you're going to choose. We are allowed to choose the same answer. If one of us matches your answer, that person gets a point. We're going to play three rounds. Are you ready? (laughs) You know what? I've had some serious training in this game lately, so I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) I have a 12-year-old boy who loves Would You Rather. (laughs) Oh, nice, nice. I'll read the first two, and then you can do the next one. Okay. So here's a couple choices for you. So would you rather be unable to cross the street without holding someone's hand, (laughs) (laughs) or would you rather find out that your whole life has been broadcast on the internet and everyone you know is actually an actor. Oh my gosh. So a little Truman Show going on? Yeah. Yeah. So basically like a perpetual child or the Truman Show. (laughs) Those are sort of your your two choices. Uh, So uh, Lindsay, what do you think? Okay, I'm gonna choose the holding hands. Yeah, all day long and twice on Sunday, I'm choosing holding hands. Amy, what's your poison? have my whole life broadcast. <laughs> what? You were totally what? Wrong. You have got to explain yes, yourself. I know. I know. Okay. But it's so limiting that does that if I have to have someone hold my hand to cross this, like, how can I just go off and do my own thing whenever I want? Mm. What about spontaneity? How, I have to wait. How for often someone? do you cross the street? <laughs> In your daily life, you just get in a car and then go. <laughs> okay, this is true. I didn't think through that one. That would have been a good strategy. Maybe I could just avoid crossing the street my whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just go on adventures in a plane. Don't move to New York City and you'll be fine. Yeah. I guess that's yeah. what I was thinking about. I was thinking about going to visit friends in New York City and like I'd have to take my kids along and I want to not go with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so round one, Lindsay, neither of us got a point. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, here is round two. So would you rather, or pick your poison, um, have the police release a sketch of a murder suspect that looks exactly like you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or have to take six untrained dogs with you Everywhere you go. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Those are both <laughs> so bad. So bad. Um, gosh. So basically everyone thinks you're a murder suspect. <laughs> the cops are getting caught on you all the time or the puppies <laughs> thing. I think she's going to go for the... Uh, I'm so reluctant. <laughs> I know, me too. I, I'm, I'm in my head now. Uh, I'm going to... Okay, I'm just going to... 
I'm going to go with the puppies. She would rather that rather than be suspected as a murder suspect yes. everywhere she goes. So I, I agree. And I, I feel the same reluctance because I'm like, well, if just crossing the street holding hands was a hindrance. She ain't going to like the puppies. She's not going to like the puppies. <laughs> <laughs> but I cannot imagine, like, yeah, everywhere you go, like, you pick up your kids for school and they're like, oh, my gosh. That's Is a, that that murderer? Right? <laughs> right? So, Amy, what do you choose? Okay, here's the deal. I have had <laughs> repeated dreams or a, a weird fear of being accused of something that I didn't do. So mm-hmm. I have thought through this about how I would defend myself, how I would invite people to vouch for my character, to have lived above reproach. <laughs> but you guys, I have She's a dog that's about to turn three. And so... Uh-huh. <laughs> I can see where this is going, Jesse. Uh-huh. <laughs> I cannot imagine taking what you said, five or six of them. Six, yeah. The rest of my life. I have a feeling I could clear my name faster than I could deal with the rest of my life and untrained talks. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> we we are both our seven must be so low, Jesse. And <laughs> Apparently. We are off the mark. Apparently. <laughs> For the next and round, here's, new here's, strategy. Here's the, the part, opposite. here's the part, Amy, I can't figure out. I'm like, is it does she have an eight wing that wants freedom? Or does she have a six wing that she's worrying about how she's going to clear yes. her name yes. in case she's ever accused well, that's of her it. one her one in stress or whatever. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm like <laughs> yeah. it's all of the above. All of yeah. the above. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Pick your poison. Would you rather have walking be your only means of transportation forever? No cars, no planes, no boats. No conveyor belts. Scooters. Or would you rather be unable to say your own first name? <laughs> wow. Hi, nice to meet Who you. Who came up with this? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Lindsay, what do you think? I'm going to say she would rather not be able to say her name. Yeah, the theme here is don't. Don't hold Amy back. Don't, yeah. yeah. It's so, She's uh, got to go She places. wants her freedom. Yeah. She's got places to go. Yeah. Whether you're a puppy or a child, get out of the way. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, you know, part of me wants to split the difference, so one of us is going to get a we point. We have to win. Okay, I'll, win. I'll split the difference with you. I will go with walking as her only means of transportation. My genuine hope is that she hates walking, but that's probably not the truth. So, uh, Amy, pick your poison. I love walking, but mm-hmm. honestly, I'm not really that attached to my name. I, so I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd like just give you my middle name instead. So I think yeah. mm-hmm. I think the name. Think the name. I'm going to go with that. So I, you let me win, Jesse. That was very. That kind. was nice hey, of you. Hey, 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 that was so nice. I <laughs> occasionally try to be gentlemanly, gentle, gentleman, gen, Gen-, a gentleman, a, a, g- a decent fella. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations, Lindsay and Amy. Good luck with having your life taped and uh, yeah, and not being able to say your name. This is the this is the uh, Miss Wick show. You know, we'll we'll have to figure out what to do about that. Yeah. All right. And now we're going to ask you eleven quick questions. Number one, what is a word you use too much? Fun. <laughs> what is a word you wish you never had to say again? <laughs> this is a Christian podcast. <laughs> uh, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, I have found there are some cuss words that are right for the context, and I wish there wasn't mm-hmm. a need to use them. I'll put yeah. it that way. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. What makes you feel alive? Oh, getting outside, being on a lake, body of water. Mm. What repels you? Checklist. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite emotion? Contentment. What is your least favorite emotion? Uh, grief. Mm-hmm. What is a sound or a noise that you love? The coffee maker making coffee. Mm. What sound or noise do you hate? My kids arguing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Amen. If you could switch Enneagram types for one day, 
Which one would you like to try? A five, for sure. Oh. Most people say seven. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if you could tell your teenage self one sentence, what would it be? God's got some really good things in store for you. Hmm. All right, our final question. What is the first thing you want to tell God when you die, when you meet him? Where's the banqueting table? (laughs) (laughs) Is there going to be fried chicken at this feast? Please, lots of gluten. I need to make up for lost time. (laughs) Yes, amen to that. That's great. That's great. Amy, thanks so much for Mm -hmm. spending time with us today and sharing uh, your heart and your journey and your relationship with God with uh, with our listeners. I know it's going to be a gift to so many people. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for having me and just letting me be me and sharing some of my story. Just appreciate you guys, what you're doing here with your ministry. If you benefited at all from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover our show. Special thanks to our guest today, Amy Wicks. Pick up Amy's new book, Should Christians Use the Enneagram? What it is, what it's not, and how it can change your life. Also, check out Amy's podcast, Simply Wholehearted, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can learn more about Amy's work with the Enneagram as well as schedule an Enneagram consultation by visiting her website at simplywholehearted.com. Also, special thanks to Crosspoint Ministry, who helped train us in the Enneagram. You can check them out at crosspointministry.com. This show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. We provide internships focused on service, community, and discipleship for young adults ages 18 to 30. You can serve for a summer or a year and grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. This episode was written by Lindsay Lewis and myself. Anna Tran is our media director and producer. Music for today's episode comes from Lee Rosevere and Murphy DX. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. 